Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae has put millions back into the hands of Mississippi citizens, expanding the state's affordable college and career savings program and also returning record amounts of unclaimed money. Check out how Treasurer David McRae's office can help you, your business, or your organization. Treasury.ms.gov. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbert along with Rhino in the Element Wealth Studios where we'll be guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music. Kicking off a brand new week here, Rhino. Howdy, howdy. How was the weekend? It was good. I went up to Tupelo and uh, got to see the oldest wonder niece graduate from high school, which makes me feel old. Because <laughs> uh, I realized sitting in what is now the Cadence Bank Arena, used to be the Bancorp yeah, South Arena, yeah, yeah. I was sitting in the arena itself, and it dawned on me. That was the first time I'd been in that arena since I was sitting on the floor graduating from the same <laughs> high school, almost 20 years ago. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. And uh, an extended vacation to boot as well for that extended weekend, I should say. Yeah, uh, vacation. So that's awesome. The uh, the weather is quite delightful out there today. It was a little sultry last week. You can uh, work up a lather if you want to, but if you want to stay cool, you can. It's that happy medium. Yeah, exactly. So, but we are here. We are pleased. To be with you today, a lot of stuff going on around the state, around the country, and we're going to get to it. We've got Frank Bordeaux, the Mississippi GOP chairman, joining us at 1037, and then law professor from Ole Miss, Christopher Green. He'll be on at 1105. We'll just get a general update from Frank on the 2023 elections, also Uh, Frank might uh, talk to us a bit about our friend Johnny Morgan, who, as you know, passed away last week, services today and tomorrow in Oxford. And then Christopher Green is going to talk about the Supreme Court case ruling on the social media company's liability under Section 230. The court has found in favor of of the social media companies basically says if their users um, publish content, share content using the platforms, and somehow that results in some sort of wrongdoing in a lawsuit perhaps ensues that the social media companies who simply host and produce and make available the platform to users are not liable for the content shared 
by their end-user community. So the crazy stuff continues, Rhino, in the world of the transgenderism. It's another hold my beard deal every day where a trans-identifying male, Athena Ryan, the name, took second place a couple of days ago in the girls' 1,600-meter race at a California state championship qualifier. Wow. A California state qualifier, you know, that's a big deal. Lots of competitors in that deal. A trans-identifying male. Still a junior, by the way. Blew by. I'm looking at some. I'm looking at some video. It's nuts. Blew by the female seniors in the field, who were doing their best but unable to keep up. And by the way, has signed the paperwork to um, run for an NCAA Division One school. This coming fall. I couldn't find the school. Is that what we're going to see now? Sort of these these um, sports where females and males compete. Track's one of them, right? There's some events that are exclusive to females in track and field, I think. Some are maybe... In track and field? Maybe not track so. and field. Gymnastics, I'm thinking about, Yeah. for example. Like the... Um, Parallel bars in there. That's it. That seems to be an example. Yeah, where you've got the, the uneven and uh, the uneven even. and the parallels. Yeah, and then there's a difference in the floor routines. Yeah, track and field maybe same events, huh? In that case, I think for the most part. So is that the craziness we're going to see now? We're just going to have sort of mixed genders in track and field. I mean, feminists fought for generations so that they could have safe spaces to compete on an even playing field, and now they just sit by and watch while dudes in dresses beat them in their own games. That's disgusting. And there were, in California, I'm looking at the photos, a number of protesters, parents primarily, protect female sports. Well, the of course, because you got a dude that couldn't cut it as a dude competing with the dude, so he goes and puts on a dress and beats up the women. Yeah. And it's just, I'm looking at some of the commentary from the parents. We can't, by the way, play the video on the program. They're pretty jazzed up, as you can tell, about this. So that's just crazy. And in the in the meantime, you saw this incident where at the U.S. State Department, they claimed that inadvertently the switch got turned on in their email system that publishes, in parentheses, one's preferred pronouns adjacent to their email address. And apparently, so they say it was inadvertent. I say horse hockey on that. Somebody turned it on intentionally. However... Some of the pronouns were wrong, and some of the workers were misgendered in the email. Oh, the humanity. You heard a word, <laughs> and that word hurt your feelings. They said it was a system-wide email glitch. That is horse hockey. It's not a glitch. No, the glitch is in the brains of everyone <laughs> that believes they have to force pronouns on everyone else. That's the glitch. 
So just... <laughs> it's called mental illness, and if they would go get help, we wouldn't have to keep talking about this crap. Settle down. It's going to be fine because the State Department is offering free therapy to... <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> to, quote, any employee... Lay down on the couch here. Tell us how your mommy didn't <laughs> hug you and daddy never said I love you. Who feels hurt or upset as a result of this unfortunate mistake. <laughs> The pronouns they say were randomly assigned with men being given female pronouns and vice versa. You do a pronoun glitch. That's a, that's a new phrase in the IT world. Pronoun glitch. That is bull. <laughs> Those upset by the misgendering are encouraged to contact the State Department's Employee Consultation Service <laughs> to speak to a professional counselor. <laughs> Oh, I want to stress that the intent behind making this feature available is to make our systems more inclusive and provide employees with options not to make decisions for them, said Kelly E. Fletcher, the State Department's chief information officer. (laughs) Sounds like you got a whole department full of people that really don't have a real job. Hmm. They just sit around trying to figure out how to waste money. So that's what the U.S. State Department focuses on. Gender pronouns and then therapy if we misgendered you. Oh, geez. It's totally out of control. Down there. That's that's essentially the equivalent of your boss saying, you know what? Your computer gave you the blue screen of death. Have some therapy. That's right. Now that I can see therapy for. Oh, gosh. The NAACP has, has issued a formal travel advisory for the state of Florida. Don't travel to the state of Florida, black folks, because Governor Ron DeSantis has, quote, engaged in an all-out attack on black Americans and other minority groups. Huh? They say Florida is openly hostile toward African Americans, people of color, and LGBTQ plus individuals. The NAACP and its membership is shoved so far up their own hind ends, they can't even smell straight. Before they travel... are so <laughs> full of it. Before Them travel... and the ACLU. Can they just fly a kite in a thunderstorm and do us all a... a a service? Well, they're, they're all worthless. They haven't done anything of note in the last two decades except winch and moan. <laughs> the NAACP's website says, Before traveling to Florida, please understand that the state of Florida devalues and marginalizes the contributions of and the challenges faced by African Americans and other communities of color. Right. They do? I've been to Florida a few times. I don't think I've ever witnessed that. Can you give me some specific examples there, NAACP? They cited various bills DeSantis recently signed into law as the motivation behind the advisory. You mean the ones that prohibit explicit, vile pornography content? being used in the classroom. The kindergartners were coming right back in the Element Well Studios. Stay with us. Now back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi.
We are back in the Element Well Studios as the legendary Allman Brothers Band bumps us into this segment in the Element Well Studios, as we said. Gary in the Berg says, does this mean that Brooks Kepka can now wear a dress and play at the U.S. Women's Open? The world has gone mad. Uh, it has crossed my mind, Gary. Is When is that coming? I, I can... I can share this. I don't want to reveal the name. I'll just say this. It was a D1 school in Mississippi. Okay. And I had the uh, the pleasure of uh, being a speaker at an event not so long ago. And the head women's basketball coach at one of these schools was also a speaker. We had dinner the night before speakers and the group putting on the event. And I asked the coach, do you worry about this, about what appears to be inevitable that you're going to be facing competition in your league? Were there males playing for the opponent or pushing to play on your team? Keeps me up every night. That's what the coach said. How could it not? How could it not? It's hard enough, right, to compete and to lead a team in college sports, any sports, at any level, virtually, because it's people, and that's hard. But when you introduce that aspect, that dimension into the mix, what do you do? And you're, think about it, you're Essentially, your success is measured by wins and losses in sports. Just simple as that. It should be. But are we going to change that? Remember when when uh, Riley Games on the program here visited San Francisco State, and she was speaking to a group there about the inequity, the unfairness of males participating, biological males, in female sports. And there were some protesters, as you could imagine, that attended and rushed the stage. Remember, she had to be pulled back by her accompaniments into a room and wait for the dust to clear. Because the party of inclusion and acceptance sure does love getting violent. Mm. But remember, the athletic director, the female athletic director, I don't remember her name, made a statement about it. Was it's proud, not worth knowing her name. She's worthless. Was proud of the students coming out and protesting. But what what really stuck with me that I think is where we're headed with all this that bothers me, she said that, recall, inclusivity was more important than fair competition. That's how they think. So to your point, Gary and the Berg, yeah, I I think that if for some reason a biological male wants to go play on the LPGA Tour or college golf and female college golf, yeah, it's a big old problem. It's I'm reminded of the ending to the 90s movie Ladybugs. Yeah. Starring Rodney Dangerfield as a big wig businessman that was being forced to coach a girls' soccer team 
and he dresses up a guy as a girl to help him win. Well, the the ending has them rolling up with a girls team that's just all dudes. Hmm. So how long until you have some unscrupulous coach that's like, you know what? They're not going to call us on this. I'm going to go get all the guys. We're going to grow our hair out long, and we're going to win championships. Because championships equals checks. I just wonder when we're going to... Will the feminists finally stand up at that point? I hope so, because this is out of control. So you've seen the news that about Adidas, of course, and their swimsuit model, who has a hairy chest, by the way. So now you've got... got more than that. <laughs> Target. You seen this one? Target. Swimsuits. Even for small children that are designed, they're female swimsuits, but have pockets on the inside to tuck one's male genitalia in so as to shield it, to hide it from view. Even for small children. Well, you heard their excuse, right? What's that? It's not for children. It's for little people. Oh, my gosh. I'm sick of it. Yeah, right. That's why it's in the kids section. So I caught a Twitter video of a, of a lady in a Target pulling the items off the rack, displaying them on the video. It's sick. This is sick. This is nuts. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's the tail wagging the dog. It is corporate America and academia and every other bleeding heart idiot in the country kowtowing to an infinitesimally small percentage of the population. That 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 if they were all gone tomorrow, nobody would bat an eye because it wouldn't make that much of a difference. That's you're right about that. We are wrapped up about it. Heck, we're talking about it, but it's every day. I, I, I feel like we have to call it to folks' attention that this is happening. So I have some friends I share that with said, I'm never shopping at Target again. I said, where are you going to go? Well, I go to Walmart. Boom. I flooded them with all the Walmart stuff. Okay, Amazon. I flooded them with the Amazon stuff, Dollar General. I flooded them with that. You can't find any that aren't. That's what's sad. It's Because beca- if they don't, you got a whole army of do-nothings, lazy louses that have nothing better to do with their time than inject themselves with hormones, cry about being a victim on social media, and attack anybody that doesn't walk lockstep with them. And that's exactly what's happening. I, well, like more I said, than likely drawing a check from the government because they're disabled in the head. I call it woke insurance. Gotta go buy my woke insurance. Oh my gosh. Yes, yeah, Stephen Gulfport talks about... Uh, this uh, issue at Harrison County Schools was at Harrison Central High, I believe. And uh, it's it's on our news clip as well. J.T. Mitchell, our news director, discusses it. And it's a student that in graduating. In fact, I think our news even has sound from the mother of the child. And it's a, a student that identifies as a female and did not want to adhere to the school's dress code for graduation. The dress code under your gown. It's real simple. White button-down shirt, tie. I think khaki pants, khaki or blue pants. Didn't want to do that. Wanted to dress in the girls. 
dress guidance. So they spent their entire high school career wearing a costume, but they won't wear a costume to graduate. Unbelievable. That's true. Because that's what they're doing. They're a dude wearing a woman's costume. So the... That's, that's called cultural appropriation. Any other way you slice it on the left. It got to co- the court, and um, the ACLU was the plaintiff. Another and worst worthless organization. Court found in favor of the Harrison County Schools. So you wonder, is this going to go further, get appealed further? Of course, it's too late now, but we're going to just clog up the courts with this argument Incredible. Wow, wow, wow. Channel 3 called him a her, says Blaine and Jackson. Well, that's, yeah, of course. I mean, that, and that's part of it is that now we all have to stop and think about that, not necessarily because of anything other than am I legally liable? Is the ACLU going to come sue me because I misgendered somebody? Is that where we are? Oh, I'm sure they'll try. So you, I just dude is a dude is a dude. It's crazy. We go back to what was we were reminded of it on the ceasefire text line. I believe it was early last week. The line from Kindergarten Cop out of the mouth of babes: "Boys have a penis, girls have a vagina." (laughs) Pretty simple, isn't it? I even saw somebody try to explain away the X and XY chromosome. I mean, that's established science for a whole long time, since we've been able to decode DNA to some extent, right? I don't know when we were able to do that, when the technology existed, I guess, to view chromosomes under a microscope is what it would require. But they're literally trying to explain away that. Oh, you can't really go by that. (laughs) And I, I read it. And I read it about three times like, I don't even understand what you're trying to say. Now, I grant you, I'm not a scientist in that respect, but this seems like you're just trying to abolish widely accepted scientific fact for decades upon decades. This is crazy how we're turning that upside down. Just to mollycoddle a bunch of crazy people. That's exactly what it is. We're stepping aside for a break here on Middays. When we come back, it's Frank Bordeaux, chairman of the Mississippi GOP. Stay with us. You're listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. We're kicking off a brand new week on Middays, live from the Element Well Studios. Our guest now, Frank Bordeaux, chairman of the Mississippi GOP. Good morning, Frank. Thanks for calling in. Good morning, Gerard. Uh, Appreciate you having me on. You bet. So give us a bit of an update. We got 2023 elections starting to uh, heat up. We've got 
course, primaries in August across the state. We go to the polls to elect uh, our state leaders, our members of our legislature as well. What are you hearing? Is there a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of energy in the GOP for the upcoming primary races? There definitely seems to be a lot of uh, energy from DeSoto County all the way down to the coast. There's a lot of very competitive uh, supervisors' races and sheriff's races, and obviously we know what's going on statewide. And so I'm looking forward to August 8th being over with and uh, going out and beating Democrats. (laughs) Yeah, so let's look at the top of the ticket, speaking of which, with uh, incumbent Governor Tate Reeves poised to advance to the general election. And then uh, on the Democrat side, Brandon Presley, it looks like he's likely to be the Democrat nominee. He's wasted no time, has he, Frank, in, in attacking Governor Reeves? No question. I mean, he's got a long way to go uh, as far as name ID. Uh, you know, folks in my neck of the woods don't have a clue who he is. And so, Unlike uh, 2019, where we were facing, uh, you know, a long-time statewide elected Democrat um, in Jim Hood who had name ID, right. Brandon's got a long way to go as far as uh, raising money, raising uh, name ID, and he knows he's far behind. And so when a candidate's far behind, unfortunately, uh, they go negative as quickly as they can. And uh, But, you know, I don't believe the Mississippi voters are going to buy, uh, buy his rhetoric. They're happy with the the way the state's going, they're happy with what's happened over the past four years, whether it's education or the economy. Mississippi, we're we're seeing growth where we need to see growth. And, uh, you know, we're doing the things that we promised we were going to do four years ago, and we've delivered. In many cases, we've exceeded uh, what we promised. And so we're going to run on our record. We have a great record in the Republican Party, and um, he's going to make his allegations. He's going to say what he has to say, but uh, again, he is going to have a hard time just getting the name ID to uh, to register with voters. Yeah, and we talked uh, Friday about an article in the Mississippi Today, which uh, seems to be more of a mouthpiece for the Democrat Party than anything, where they uh, really try to make a big mountain out of what is less than a molehill on uh, gubernatorial appointments. Of course, you empower the governor with... Uh, uh, the ability to make appointments across the spectrum of board positions in the state of Mississippi, and he, and he tried to connect those to to uh, the concept of of donations. If you contribute to the campaign of the governor, well, then you're you're poised to receive an appointment. But it, it, don't we expect as voters when we elect somebody to high office, knowing they have the power to make those appointments, that they will appoint people that also align with the philosophy and the views of the governor, the person making the appointments? Isn't that kind of what we expect? No question about it. And, you know, it, it makes it – it's very disingenuous to think that um, we're a governor would appoint people that are um, supporters – of theirs, but like you said Friday, and you just said, I mean, they're also going to appoint people that are like-minded and have sure. the same philosophies. They're not going to, you know, Governor Reeves has never called you and said, Gerard, you need to vote this way. Yeah, that's not in his DNA, and you never called him and said, Hey, Governor, I want this appointment. You've got enough stuff on your plate, but you're talented. You, you this is the lottery commission is very sophisticated. Lots of money. 
and we want people that uh, understand business. And so um, it's it makes it very difficult whenever these kind of stories that come out. And by the way, this is about the fifth iteration of the same story. Right. And they'll probably do a sixth, seventh, and eighth. <laughs> but do we not think that if Brandon Presley were elected, and this is another point that I'd like to point out to voters, if he were elected, he's going to pick people that are like-minded of his. Sure. And that has the ideology of the Democrat Party. And this doesn't just go towards agency appointments. These are agency heads. These are judicial appointments. These are open uh, district attorney seats. And so we want people, uh, a governor that's going to make, good conservative appointments and to criticize these people for taking the appointments. I know every person that was in that article, every last one of y'all are successful in y'all's own right. Y'all never asked for the appointment. And and Governor Reeves has said multiple times, appointments seek people. People don't seek appointments. And I think that he takes that position. And not every one of his appointees were necessarily supporters of his. Yes. So... I think it's interesting that they point that out, that they're going to run stories, and they're going to run multiple stories on the same issue, just different iterations. But they never pointed out that the Democrat Party still hasn't sent their financial statement in. (laughs) I mean, it's amazing the hypocrisy where they were so excited about going through every Republican's financial statement and seeing how they could tie that to some story that really is not a story. But they didn't even report the fact that the Democrat Party in the state of Mississippi still, to this day, has not filed their financial report. Wow. No, I didn't so even know that. will start tomorrow. And, um, <laughs> but, you know, that's what we, as Republicans, unfortunately, we've just gotten used to uh, these kind of stories being ran. I, I don't think it's working. I, I really don't. I don't feel like that, that focusing on that is really benefiting them or will benefit them in the election. Your thoughts? No, I think the more this goes on, uh, people are going to see uh, that entity, which is now the communications department for the Presley campaign, it seems <laughs> like. Um, you know, I think they're going to see it for what it is, and they are seeing it for what it is. Um, and so if you look at the headlines uh, over the past two months, there's not very many friendly headlines to Republicans, but there's also not very many friendly headlines to the state of Mississippi. That's true. When we're showing success after success, win after win, whether it's education or economic growth in our state, they're not writing on that. And if they do, they turn it into a negative <laughs> So true. Report. That's absolutely true, Frank. You and I both share a common friend and lost a common friend in Johnny Morgan last week. What do you think about uh, his legacy in Mississippi? He left his mark, didn't he? No question about it. I mean, he was a larger-than-life individual. Um, he was he he was a fun guy, but his excitement about Mississippi, his excitement about the success of our state. Um, I know everybody knows his excitement for Ole Miss. Yeah, and in his region in, in Lafayette County, um, he will be missed. And you know, I hope that younger folks. Uh, that knew Johnny Morgan, saw the time that he spent in his community and in our state, and kind of pick up that man on run. We need we need more Johnny Morgans in the state of Mississippi. Man, that's He's a good way to put it. Leader. 
Yeah, sure was. And and uh, the governor, I think, put it best when he said he was fiercely loyal. And when he said he was with you, he was with you all the way. No and I, about I, it. I and known him for a while. I totally agree. I, I'll also point out, folks, he was a big fan of the show and would frequently text me uh, to my personal phone while we were talking about a topic that he felt strongly about. And I'm proud to say... I think he agreed with what we say here about 99.9% of the time. I don't remember him ever sending me anything that said, you're wrong about that. So if he I, didn't agree, he'd tell you. I, I guarantee you he would. And so, I, I'm, honestly, I I take uh, a great pride in that That because uh, I, I think the world of him and uh, highly respected uh, individual and family as well. But Mississippi has lost a gem. There's no doubt about that. And I agree with you. The Good old boys and gals event, none like it in the country, and I think really exhibits the best of the American and the Mississippi uh, election process, political process. I mean, he was a friend to everybody. Everybody, you know that, Frank. Yes, sir. Never said no to anybody. Um, and he, I mean, it was his deal. It was his, essentially it was his home, <laughs> you know, um, second home, so to speak. Come on in and uh, get up on the stage there and and. Gosh, he was just remarkable at that. We will we will miss him. So, are there any? Wanted to ask you this: Are there any Senate or House races that you see as contentious once we get to the general in Mississippi? Well, there, there's you know obviously there's a Republican running against uh, Senator Hobbrine. Yeah, that's going to be one that we're going to focus in on. Obviously, as a party. Um, we're taking, you know, as soon as uh, August 8th is uh, uh, over with, yep. um, you know, I plan on meeting with all the statewides and really figuring out where we can focus in and be successful uh, in races down ticket. And uh, I know the statewides are excited to be uh, to give assistance to the party. Yep. Uh, and so and we're working with the RNC as well. They're going to be working in Mississippi. And so we're not taking anything for granted in Mississippi. We know that, you know, James Carville, you know, made it clear <laughs> after 2022 election, yep. forget about Florida, let's focus in on Mississippi. One interesting Sounds story good. that I would say about that real quick, you know, James Carville left a very liberal city in New Orleans, uh, ran by... You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone, to the Element Well Studios. It's middays. Are you thinking about or planning for retirement? Do you have a plan? Go to myelementwealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees. The Dow presently down 70. The NASDAQ up a bit. Yields on U.S. Treasuries all up today as well. And really, the market's kind of in a holding pattern, waiting on some resolution to this debt ceiling debacle. Also wanted to follow up. Sorry that we uh, ran out of time there with uh, Frank. That's on me. I asked a question a little open-ended, too close to the break, and that gets a little complicated when you're 
talking to a guest on the phone, so it's on me. Apologize for that. But I did want to pass on, Rhino helped me out here, what Frank said. We did continue to talk to him off air. Basically said, we're not going to let the uh, powerful Democrat Party uh, operatives come into the state of Mississippi and and really seize control like they have in other states. And he, and he referenced, uh, for example, Louisiana, James Carville. Uh, he calls the mayor of uh, New Orleans Latoya the destroyer. <laughs> Is that uh, the way? Yeah. Yeah, that's what he said. So, And I appreciate uh, Frank. And he said, we're full speed ahead after the primaries, focusing on the general election on behalf of the GOP. He should. That's what he does. He is the chairman of the party. So I just wanted to pass that on. Apologize to Frank and the audience for having that uh, little miscue uh, on me. My well, fault. I mean, it, he's talking about James Carville. And, yes, James Carville did move out of New Orleans and move to Mississippi. Yep. Which is precisely why he wants the Democrats to spend money in Mississippi, because that puts money in his pocket. Sure. Exactly right. That's exactly right. He he still knows it's an incredibly tall order here, and, uh, and we want it to be, uh, honestly. Something else that's – so a lot of folks are, are uh, chiming in uh, about this whole transgender stuff, which every day it's just a, a new deal. The, the swimsuits at Target, that disgusted me. Watching that, it, what disgusts me about it is, I don't care if you're an adult, you want to go do that crap, fine. It's the kids. But, oh, but they're not grooming people, though, right? That's what they tell you. No, no, we're not doing that. You're not? Then why are you carrying, like, these teeny tiny swimsuits with girl swimsuits, might I add, with pockets in them for male genitalia, for a child? That is despicable. You know a lot about this ESG investing. We've talked about that, environmental, social governance. Basically, it means that companies make investment decisions and operate their company um, with an eye towards and with a focus on climate change, social justice matters, more so than they do the bottom line. Right. Complying with their fiduciary responsibility to maximize profit. And you've got investment houses as well that focus more on that. And so Steve Moore, who's been on the program before, worked in the Trump administration and is part of a group called Committee to Unleash Prosperity, he did a study on the major investment houses and how much they have embraced ESG at the expense of shareholders. And he calls it politics over pensions. I thought that was good. and he, So he produced a scorecard. I just want to pass on a handful of names to you that you, you'll probably recognize. These are, again, investment management companies that scored very highly. In fact, an A got an A grade in terms of rejecting ESG and and more focused on maximizing returns for their clients whose money they manage. Dimensional, Vanguard, Fidelity, and T. Rowe Price. So something I'll point out to you is Element Wealth, who sponsors uh, our studio here on the program, their partner, 
fidelity and was one of the reasons, among many, that I selected um, Element to partner with me, to, to help me out there and to open an account. So fidelity. Those who didn't score too high, as in an F, <laughs> Deutsche Bank, Northern Trust, Invesco Perpetual, Select Trust, BNP, didn't. They're all focused on the dead gum ESG stuff. So just wanted to pass that on to you. And in the, in the uh, Community One Lease Prosperities study is available on their website, by the way. It's a comprehensive scoring of all the companies and investment houses and uh, investment managers and how much they focus on that versus returns for their shareholders. Later on in the program, we got to play some sound for you. It's Joe Biden, maybe in the shortest period of time, the most gaffes ever by the gaff president. But right now it's time for a break. We've got uh, Christopher Green, law professor at Ole Miss, coming up after Fox News and Super Talk News. We're in the Element Well Studios. Stay with us. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone to Middays, Hour 2 of the program, live from the Element Well Studios on this Monday. Don't forget that means the Super Talk Outdoors coming up at noon with Ricky Matthews. Joining us now, Christopher Green, law professor at the University of Mississippi Law School. Professor, good to see you again, sir. Good to see you. All right, so we wanted to uh, get you on to talk about this recent ruling handed down by the Supreme Court concerning social media companies' uh, liability for user-produced content. This is uh, this has been going on a while, has it not, Professor? I mean, I've seen lots of uh, lots of news and reports and discussion about it. Finally, got it in front of the court and have received a decision. Uh, first, I- explain the the, uh, the premise of the case, and then and tell me, Professor, were you surprised at the decision by the court? Um, so um, that's the second question. First, I wasn't terribly surprised. But, okay. Uh, so basically, uh, these suits they're suits uh, by uh, victims of terrorism. So uh, the I- I- ISIS uh, folks uh, they do terrible things. And they use the internet to do so. So yeah. they use Facebook, they use YouTube, they use Twitter. Uh, so you have all these technologies that essentially allow anybody, uh, any group of people to get to find other like-minded people. Uh, so you can use technology to, to do good and you can use it to, to do terrible things. Sure. And the thing is, you know, these algorithms, they provide really specialized, you know, if you click on a few videos, uh, YouTube will say, hey, sounds like you're interested in uh, 
jihadi stuff. Uh, and you'll, you'll, they'll, they'll just, it's a technology that enables people to find like minded people of any, uh, it just has a moral neutrality to it that is, uh, really dangerous. So, so these, these lawsuits, uh, there are a couple, uh, two different ones, but they said, hey, you know, you people are helping, uh, terrorists. Uh, and, you know, in the sense that, I mean, the phone company helps terrorists because it's easier to coordinate a group of people if you've got a phone. Sure. Uh, the mail system uh, uh, helps helps terrorists. So basically what the court did, so that's one piece of it, is just is this aiding and abetting uh, of terrorism? So aiding and abetting was the, the key term in a, in a statute. If they had said it was, so the, unanim- the court unanimously said it was not. If it, If they had said it was... Uh, then there would have been this big, huge question, which is looming, has been looming since 1996, um, the Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which is this big, well, it's it's a it's an immunity for internet folks of uncertain size, and it remains of uncertain size because the court <laughs> did not touch that aspect of it. They said, okay. well, it, because the uh, the Anti-Terrorism Act aiding and abetting provision doesn't apply to to what the what the uh, the, the big uh, uh, internet folks did in this case. Uh, we don't have to get to the 230 question, but the 230 question is looming. And really, I mean, the aiding and abetting question is also something. Uh, but but uh, for both those issues, Congress could step in and clarify it. Um, it well, I mean, anytime they wanted. And they, of course, the question is, you know, when does Congress get their mind together? Well, sure. uh, as we as we see with the <laughs> debt uh, debt limit uh, right. negotiations, it's uh, it's a bicameral system, yep. and that is. Uh, uh, gridlock is uh, is uh, very frequently uh, what we see, but you know, this is the kind of issue that you could almost imagine a bipartisan group coming in and you know writing a more specific rule other than the two thirty rule. Uh, you know, maybe po- you know possibly uh, you know posing some kind of uh, compensation requirement on the internet folks uh, for terrorism even, uh, but not looking not looking too likely in Congress uh, anytime soon. So there's there's clearly been a movement. I would say, as, as you point out, on both sides of the political aisle, to to uh, shall we say, rein in big tech. That's kind of the uh, the refrain you hear a lot. We got to rein in big tech. And both sides feel like the big tech, to a great extent, is their enemy in some cases. And I think there's some tendency on both sides to want to leverage big tech to their benefit. Does this kind of pay? oh yeah yeah. Does this put an end to that movement? Absolutely not. I mean, it's so it. Uh, I mean, essentially, what they're doing in this case is just looking back to a statute and saying, "Well, you know, does this aiding and abetting of terrorism provision apply to the kind of aiding? I mean, it is an aiding okay. of terrorism in the sense that any kind of technology provides some sort of aid." So, I mean, textu- textually, the argument wasn't completely laughable it just it doesn't re i mean if you if you say that twitter's uh uh aiding and abetting uh, this particular action really they're aiding and abetting almost all crime that involves people sure. connecting sure. using the internet uh which uh would be just wow that would you know you want to be be careful um but the idea you know so the idea is okay we've got this technology that uh produces a huge amount of value it improves people's lives in a lot of ways it makes them worse in certain ways. And the the argument is, well, should the people whose pockets are being systematically filled by the benefits of this technology, shouldn't they have to uh, compensate the people who suffer the harms? Uh, and, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's very unlikely that they're going to just, just 
carte blanche say, oh, yeah, okay, our new uh, compensator of crime victims is, is Twitter or, you know, or YouTube or, uh, or Facebook. But, uh, but the idea that, hey, you know, these people are profiting a lot, um, they have a kind of quasi-public uh, status in certain ways. Uh, they are the, kind of the people running the infrastructure of this, this system. So the, the idea that uh, some sort of uh, equality norm uh, can be imposed on them, different people from, from you know, both the left and the right have been uh, attracted to that idea. And I think it's, that is definitely going to okay. stick around. Uh, and it's really it's the, it's the same, same rule that, you know, for you know, for hundreds of years, we've applied to people like uh, uh, people who own bridges, people who have a strategic resource at a, at a critical juncture. Uh, very frequently, the law will step in and say, "Okay, you know, you get to make your money off of your bridge, but you got to charge everybody the same uh, same price. You can't pick and choose in order to kind of take advantage of people in a, in a vulnerable situation." So that argument, I think, is uh, is is going to have have a lot of intellectual heft and, and political heft. Uh, uh, for you know the, the foreseeable future, I think. Yeah, and of course, you you made a point a minute ago. You, it's kind of difficult just to sort of uh, put a fence around social media companies and say, oh yeah, well they're the exclusive enablers of this because you've got a myriad of technology infrastructure behind the scenes and underlying that that's required for their tools to even function. Could you not? Maybe if if the court had ruled differently, is the next step in that extending that to all the, all the telecom carriers, for example, and all the makers of all the network electronics and a bunch of that? I was in that business. It's, a, it's gigantic. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and they, you know, Justice Thomas's opinion. He go, goes through these kind of analogies and so, well, I mean. You know, they're not really, they're doing, they're using the internet for the same kind of stuff they would have just used a phone for. Yeah. And, uh, but if you remember, I mean, when, when the cell phones started coming out, once they started uh, coming out with burner phones. Yeah. Like, man, I mean, those, the, 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 uh, the drug industry is never the same because, oh man, you know, if I got a burner phone, I can just instantaneously get in touch with people and I can uh, toss it in the, in the trash after a few transactions and the cops can't, uh, can't trace it. So like the game of cat and mouse, uh, it's you know it's tough you know this particular time really is one where where the tech people ought to be helping out more than more than they are yeah uh, so a lot you know the, the the oral argument and all kinds of details about well how exactly do these algorithms work and you know the customized uh, stuff you know it's not crazy to think well you know maybe maybe we should uh, require them uh, to to be a little bit. Uh, uh, more careful about giving targeted, you know, targeted advice about, hey, you know, meet your criminal friends. Uh, yeah. And I, I know I don't think there's anybody at these companies that you know is genuinely like trying to promote ISIS or something. But you know, the question is, at, you know, at what cost? You know, do we want to demand that they do more uh, to prevent crime? And you know, on the, the on the statute, the way it's written now. Uh, pretty clear case when you get a unanimous Supreme Court that it's 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 you know this is not the the statute that's going to do that. I got you. So you think maybe there's legs here that there's still going to be calls for uh, uh, political leaders on both sides of the aisle to so-called rein in big tech, whatever they mean by that, because I think it has different meanings depending on who's making the statement in the context. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's easy to get a party. To, oh, like, let's have a big raid in Big Tech. And then you get there, and then the details like, oh, well, I want to raid them in by making sure they don't discriminate against Republicans. The other people, exactly. like, well, I just want them you know, to, to give money to my pet causes. And sometimes these are diametrically opposed uh, demands that people want to put on. Yeah. Big tech. yeah, some people are saying they're not discriminating against uh, against uh, conservatives enough. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's exactly Professor, it's always, the same thing we see in all kinds of things. Absolutely, Professor. Appreciate your your insight. Always uh, enjoy talking to you, sir. You have a good day, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. Great to see you. God bless you. Yes, sir. Christopher Green, law professor at Ole Miss, has been our guest here talking about this recent Supreme Court decision that says that big tech is not responsible for certain user created content. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studio. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's go. We are back in the Element Well Studios. We're in the studio all week, by the way, except for Friday. We'll be down at the Armed Forces Museum uh, at Camp Shelby for Memorial Day. Looking forward to that, as always. And uh, in addition to the Section 230 rule that upheld that the big social media companies are not liable, as the professor was uh, discussing, for content or use of their tools by folks that, that use it to perform evil, bad acts, harm. They're not liable. In addition to that, Meta, the parent company of Facebook, has been fined a record-breaking $1.3 billion by the European Union for violating the EU privacy laws because they transferred personal data out of the EU into servers housed in the United States. So here's my take on it, Rhino. The EU, for the most part, doesn't produce or create squat. They're so dang socialized and lazy as hell. They get, like, more vacation than the work than they work in a year, right? It's nuts. Yeah, the whole country of France just shuts down for the month of August. And in France, I believe it's also true that business-related email activity is illegal after quitting time, whatever the hell that is in France. Maybe 3 o'clock in the afternoon, for all I know. But if you think about it, they don't produce anything. But they sure can regulate American companies. I mean, when's the last time you were really excited about the new Nokia phone? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just a sprinkling of inventions here and there. You think a Facebook could have ever been invented in one of those countries? No. No chance. 
You may not like Zuckerberg and his politics. I don't either, his politics. But you have to respect what the guy created. Well, there's still a debate about how much he really did to create it. Well, you're, you're right. But he's credited with it. Yeah. He's at the helm. He's benefited from it. He's the one that wound up on top. That's right. And I've told the story about Bill Gates and how he happened across what made his fortune, and that's the operating system for the PC that he bought for fifty grand from Xerox. No, um, or no, the Xerox was the mouse. Yeah, and a lot of other stuff: the personal computer, the mouse, the WYSIWYG, the Winchester disk drive, all that Ethernet. All that was created in. At uh, Xerox Palo Alto Research Center, it's called Palo Park Xerox Park Palo Alto Research Center. This was a friend of his that he knew about in Seattle. That was, you know, a starving artist, programmer, living in some rooftop apartment <laughs> downtown, and he knew he had this operating system he'd been toying around with for the PC. And he, I, I told the story. His mother was on the board of the Red Cross and ran into a guy named Bill Lowe, who's chairman, or not chairman, president of the IBM, original IBM PC division, and was looking for an operating system. And his mother said, what do you do, Bill? Well, I work for IBM. How about you? And they start talking about children. Yeah, I had this son. He's a ne'er-do-well. <laughs> Dropped out of Harvard. Plays with these computers. No future and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, Lowe said, well, you know, tell him to give me a call. Maybe there's some common interest there. And he did, and he found out they were looking for an operating system. I got just what you need. He didn't have it. And he rushed back home and bought it for fifty grand, and borrowed some money for that and obviously turned that into a multi-billion dollar fortune. And it, I mean, it wasn't just Zuckerberg that made his fortune on Facebook. I mean, there's the famous story of what was the artist's name? David Cho. He's a famous graffiti artist, and he was hired back in 2005, in the early days of Facebook, to come to the Facebook headquarters at the time and paint a mural on the wall. Yeah. And he was like, well, I'm going to charge you $60,000. And they gave him the choice. Well, we can pay you in cash, but we may have to do it in in payments. We we can't give you all of that up front. But we can give you $60,000 in stock. And he said, I don't know. And they kind of convinced him hey maybe you should take this stock we we have a we have a good feeling about where we're going that 60 grand in stock has made him a multi-millionaire at this point to the point where now he just just travel the world and be a celebrity artist unbelievable you, you said starving artists it reminded me of that well yeah and and software developers that are just have an idea or trying to get something commercialized uh, they're kind of fit into that vein as well and especially back in those days when it was just a burgeoning industry. I wanted to share also that this privacy fine levied by the EU against Meta, $1.3 billion. Not that any data, private data, was released and found its way into the public square. No, that wasn't the problem. It's just the fact that they transferred some of it to the U.S. Well, duh. So, by the way, all of that is uh, under, the fine was levied under the rules promulgated by the General Data Protection Regulation. 
I remember talking about this in our industry, shoot, seven, eight years ago. It went into effect in in um, 2018, May 25th, 2018, uh, anniversary, five-year anniversary, three days from now. Uh, GDPR is what it's called, General Data Protection Regulation. And it, the, the compliance, I, I remember in my company, we reviewed it to see if it might affect us in any way. We had some customers in Europe that subscribed to our cloud, our cloud services. But it's just ridiculous over-regulation. And again, if you think about it, it's regulation on American companies. Because none of that comes from the EU. But they all use it, enjoy it, benefit from it, the inventions that came from this country. That's the kind of stuff that that aggravates me. We can regulate you. We just can't create any of this. We can't add any, any value to it. Well, they're regulating both sides of the conversation as far as social media. They're regulating the corporate entities providing the platforms, and they regulate your speech on the platform. That's true. That's absolutely true. Certain countries in Europe, you say somebody's uh, as ugly as a dog. Yeah, right. You're about, going to jail. You're right about that. You're going because you hurt their feelings on social media. Yeah, you're totally right. Well, so let's uh, let let's think about some correlation there. You live in a country, multiple countries in this case, the Union, that are obsessed with this feelings crap. Maybe that's why you don't produce anything. Well, maybe that's why you you kind of lack in terms of invention and innovation. Hmm. The Biden uh, administration, including Joe Biden, some of the administration went over to Japan, the G7 summit. You see him coming down the steps there. He tripped. And again, I, I don't say this to mock or make fun of the guy. I say this because I'm worried that this is a guy who uh, leads this country and is the leader of the free world and is considered the the top attendee, if you will, at this economic summit because of the country he represents, the largest economy in the world. And he's walking down the steps approaching Japan's prime minister, his name escapes me, who's waiting at the bottom of the steps for him. And this is caught on video, of course, and and he stumbled on the steps and he caught himself he was, I mean, just incredibly close to doing a face plant right there on the steps. It, it's sad, honestly. All right, so then he speaks because the country, uh, not the country, pardon me, the world is as interested in our debt ceiling issue as the country is. So he addressed that. We have some sound here. And there's a lot of other, for example, the idea that we're, uh, in terms of uh, taxes, that they refuse to, for example, we, uh, I was able to balance the budget and pass everything from the the global warming bill. Anyway, I was able to cut by $1.7 billion in the first two years the deficit that we uh, were were accumulating. And uh, because I was able to say to it that, the 55 corporations in America that made 40, 400 billion dollars, or 40 billion dollars, 400 billion dollars, that uh, they uh, they hit pay zero in tax, zero. <sighs> we'll break that down when we when we come back. We got the great Boston 
bumping us out of this segment here on a middays. Half an hour left in the program. And then it's Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews. We're back in the Element Well Studios after these messages. With Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. the 662 says want to keep me as a regular listener keep playing journey in boston as you bump as your bumper music brings back concert memories from the late 70s and 80s and of course rush who just bumped us into this segment rhino's at the controls he's all over that for you there uh louie and of course we get journey because everybody knows by now that's my favorite all-time artist and uh, band, and so we've got that, that uh, journey songs that bump us into the beginning of the three hours here on Middays. So Senator Tim Scott has just announced he is a candidate for president of these United States. Here's just a brief snippet of what he said. Today's kids are growing up immersed in a culture where everyone's a victim. We have to start teaching the necessity of individual responsibility. If you are able-bodied, you work. If you take out a loan, you pay it back. If you commit a violent crime, you go to jail. Can I get an amen? I'm telling you the truth. I'm Tim Scott, and I approve this message. There you go. He's got $22 million in his war chest on hand. He's been raising money. Uh, a lot of it. So the field is expanding. Let's see who we got now. Trump, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Asa Hutchinson. I think Larry Elder officially has announced as well. You see, the, you're looking at a list there. Who, who am I missing, if anybody? You see Elder? I swear I thought I saw him had um, thrown his hat in the ring there. While you're looking for that, you've seen the... Yeah, he has declared. Okay, gotcha. Along with Dallas area businessman and non-denominational pastor Ryan Binkley. Don't even know who that is. How about that? So huge field. You may have seen this weekend, the Trump campaign launched a... Actually, a PAC. Trump PAC should be clear about that. There, there's a distinction when it comes to advertising for sure campaign promotion. You've got PACs, and then you've got the campaign. And they are exclusive. So they've got a PAC that's really going after DeSantis. They're anticipating, as I think the rest of America is, that Governor DeSantis will declare this week, sometime this week. That's the buzz. So Trump's new ad, I caught it like Saturday morning. And uh, I kind of laughed at it, honestly. It's um, it's an ad where Trump has now <laughs> come up with a new nickname, you know, about DeSanctimonious. 
He's got a new one. It's DeSales tax. <laughs> that's his new one. And that's because, and, and so he revealed this new, this new nickname in this ad. I could not find, Rhino, I looked all over the place for the ad in digital format so that we could share it. And it's it's done to the um, the E-I-E-I-O song. I don't know. What's the name of that song? A children's song. And a quack, quack here, and a quack, quack there. You know the stuff. They're going around the farm. Farmers. Is it bingo? No, I, heck, I don't know. But it's... So the the uh, the ad uh, again. Old McDonald had a farm. That's it. Thank you. I knew something like that. So it's Old McDonald had a farm. E I O. So it's is this is done to that set to that music, and it's uh, a sales tax, a tax tax here, and a tax tax there, <laughs> and they're going around the farm showing all the various food products that come from the farm to make an impression on you that Ron DeSantis supported. The fair tax. So, I think this is important for those that uh, many people. I think I, in our I found family. it. You found? Okay, I couldn't find it. Thank you. Tax had a plan to make you pay more. Wait, stop it! Stop it! Did you catch that? Ronda's sales tax had a plan. Go. And the sales tax had a plan to make you pay more. And the sales tax there. There are tax everywhere, sales tax. <laughs> Ron DeSantis backed a national sales tax, a 23% tax hike on almost everything you buy, from the gas station to the grocery store. You'll pay more here. Here you'll pay. Everyone will pay more. 90% of families would get a tax hike if DeSantis replaced the current system, making Biden's Inflation hit even harder. We can't afford Ronda's sales tax. Fortunately, <laughs> we have a better choice. President Trump passed massive tax cuts, lowering tax rates for everyone. President Trump cut taxes, and Ronda's sales tax, well, as the song goes. And the sales tax there. There are tax everywhere, sales tax. Make America Great Again, Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. You're watching it. Of course, uh, we might have to share, share that. Okay, I'm sorry, Sharon. I couldn't remember. It's old McDonald, <laughs> my friend Sharon. That's terrible. I couldn't remember that. Thank you, folks. Some other people told me. I'm getting old. I forgot. Uh, I haven't heard it, honestly, in a long time, and my kids are all grown, so I'm not into all that. Uh, but what I mean, I've got little nieces and nephews, and I couldn't think of it. Cause, <laughs> like, for instance, this weekend, I spent my time with my nephew talking about Transformers, not old McDonald. There you go. He's real big into Beast Wars. <laughs> Beast Wars. <laughs> um, so, this, Ron DeSales <laughs> But, so here's what's It just missing. feels like it's a bit forced. It, I agree. Here's what's missing, though. It is true that that uh, DeSantis in Congress is one of many who support the fair tax. The fair tax. What they're not telling you in that commercial is the fair tax replaces the income tax. It's not in addition to. But that's the way they paint it. And here's what bothers me about that commercial. So do the Democrats. Because you, you, we talked about this right after the new House, the Congress, was seated. That you're going to see this. 
In fact, it was one of the things that McCarthy had to agree to, that the, that the group in Congress that wanted this bill to, to be considered by the House, McCarthy said, yeah, I'll let that go to the floor. Well, it, it lost. It didn't go anywhere. And, and for a few days there, Rhino, we discussed it in, in detail because there are some nuances to it that include credits and, and offsets. It's, it's not as it appears that it's just a flat, you're going to pay 23% on everything you buy. Uh, while that's the case, again, there are some rebates is actually, I believe, what the bill referred to them as. It depends on your level of income. And the idea is... That one wasn't the prebate one. That may have been it, yeah. Um, but the idea is, is is to lessen the sales tax load on lower-income households. And so it's still progressive in that nature, but you're going to pay a little bit because we've reported before that According to the IRS, I'm not just making this up, according to the IRS, the Department of Treasury, 57% of the households in America paid zero income taxes for tax year 2021. We're, in, of course, filing our taxes for 2022 now. And so it's lopsided to all the one. But this ad by Trump makes it look like that Ron DeSantis wants to add a 23% sales tax on top of the existing income tax. That That's the impression, I think, it projects. Something else uh, that is of interest with respect to this race, the presidential primary that certainly features Trump and DeSantis, once DeSantis jumps in, I think is the key contender's is that last week Florida passed a bill, DeSantis signed it, limiting abortion to none after six weeks, available before six weeks, for any reason. So does that then mean that DeSantis is pro-choice? It's, it's a question to ponder. All right, think about this. Donald Trump said regarding that bill, that DeSantis passed, it's too, quote, harsh. Too, quote, harsh. Too harsh. That's what Donald Trump said, meaning he wants the limit in terms of the number of weeks the expecting mother has been pregnant to be increased beyond just the six weeks. So does that mean that Trump is pro-choice? Think about it. Or what I think is, it's just anything to be different from DeSantis. Let me go find something I can pick a bone with. Look, DeSantis said no abortions after six weeks. I'm for increasing the number of weeks. What he said, actually, Trump, and I'm paraphrasing just a little bit, but he said, we're going we're gonna to have abortion policy that's going to make everybody happy. I'll look for that on the break. It's what he said. I'm maybe paraphrasing it a bit, but he said the same thing about health care. Remember that? We're going to have great health care. Everybody's going to be happy. Well, that didn't happen either. So this kind of, I think, spices up the race a little bit because abortion's going to be a 
big issue in the uh, presidential election. Tom Petty bumping us out here. Coming right back with the final segment on this Monday, Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews after the noon break. Are we going to do this? Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk Mississippi. Jay Giles band bumping us into this segment. Mike in Gulfport says, Gerard needs some grands if he has forgotten old McDonald had a farm. <laughs> None yet. Uh, anticipating that may happen at some point. He also says, I would like to hear if those taxes were part of a fair tax proposal. Yeah, they are, Mike, and hopefully you heard us say that. And that that's what's a little disingenuous about the ad. It sounds like it's just a whole new tax that DeSantis was uh, promoting, he, he, it's not. He, he was. Uh, he is a proponent of the fair tax system that we discussed, which would replace the income tax with a national sales tax. With respect to Trump and his uh, stance, uh, most recent stance on abortion, this is from late April. Rhino, you got some sound for us? Here you go. Mr. President, uh, if you're president again in 2025 and Senator Graham's 15-week abortion ban lands on your desk, are you going to sign it? Well, we're going to look at it. We're looking at a lot of different options. We got it back to the states. Uh, we did the Roe v. Wade thing, which have been, they've been trying to get it done for 50 years. I got it done. I appointed incredible justices and judges all over, 300 federal judges and uh, three justices. Uh, and I was able to do things that nobody else was able to do. And we'll get something done where everyone is going to be very satisfied, I believe that. On the national level or national level? I think we'll get it done in, on some level. It, it could be on different levels, but we're going to get it done. I know the issue very well. I think I know the issue better than most, and we will get that taken care of. So my apologies. And I told you I was paraphrasing it. The word happy is not what he used. It was satisfied, which are somewhat synonymous. So we'll get something done where everyone is going to be satisfied. That is the direct quote. So what do you think, folks? Is that Would that change the support for the former president in a uh, strong pro-life state such as Mississippi? So when the Roe decision was handed down, the overturning of Roe, sent it back to the states, that triggered a law here in Mississippi, right, Rhino, that limits abortion uh, only in the case of rape or incest, I believe, or endangerment of the life of the the pregnant woman. I think it's where we landed on that. I was looking that up. So will that change things when Trump says, yeah, we're going to make sure that everyone is going to be satisfied? Hmm. I don't see how you could describe him as pro-life, if that's the case. Nor DeSantis, honestly. And, and of course, you got Lindsey Graham that's proposed legislation at the federal level, just a federal ban beyond 15 weeks. So that that conflicts, honestly, with most states, because you got the blue states that have pretty much, since the overturning of Roe, enacted legislation that makes abortion available up to 
the end of the third trimester, and then you got the red states such as Mississippi, which have enacted uh, very restrictive abortion laws. So going to the 15-week would be somewhere in the middle of that at the federal level. And then that begs the question, should the federal government even be involved in it, in the matter? Gets a little dicey. If Trump said he'll have an abortion bill, that will make everybody happy. He's a bigger idiot than I thought, says CC in Senatobia. He could help his own cause by zipping his mouth shut. And he says that he knows a lot about that, right? Isn't that what he said in the... In the sound there, something I know a lot about. Maybe more than most, I think, is what he said. Hmm. Interesting. Sides of the abortion issue are so far apart, there will never be a situation where everyone is satisfied, says Mike in Gulfport. You can't please all the people all the time. That's what I thought, Mike, when I said, heard him say, everyone is going to be satisfied. I, I don't see a middle ground on that. I just don't. Not for everyone, but for a majority the majority of Americans do not agree with late-term abortion. That is correct. But the majority do support access in the early term. Correct. Sixty-something percent. That's a majority. So, you're, so you can get a majority. Yeah, not everyone. But though. not everyone. Right. I, I agree. K-Dog and Wiggins says Trump is straddling the fence, trying to get votes. Well, of course. Because it, it's proven to be, from a political perspective, and remember, we've discussed this ad nauseum, what it takes to win the presidency. It's, it takes winning those handful of counties in those four or five swing states, the independent voters in those counties, in general, because for the most part, Republicans are going to vote for the Republican candidate, and Democrats for the Democrat candidate, and even those that say, yeah, I'm having second thoughts about Biden, I don't believe it. I think at the end of the day, they go into the uh, the polling booth, or if they mail it in however they vote, and they just say, yeah, I just I can't do it. i got to stick with the Democrat. So it's the independents that can go either way, depending on the candidate, is where the uh, race is won or lost. Something we didn't get to today, and I apologize for that because we're out of time. It's a short show today. Is you've heard it on our news, and, and that's a revelation about this $104 million grant program for hospitals in the state that the legislature passed. There's a bit of a wrench in, in uh, the program where that money can only be used to reimburse for COVID expenses, and that's causing some problems that most hospitals have already have already covered those with other programs. We're out of time here today. Back with you tomorrow. Stay safe and God bless. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.